There are a number of Scottish folk tales which originally were told as epic tales, ones that went on for a full evening's entertainment, and some of these we hear only fragments of now, and they are retold only in part, just hear bits of them. In this week's episode of the Scottish Folk Podcast, I'm going to retell one of those epic tales, and hopefully I can remember it all. Because I don't have any sound editing equipment. (laughs) So everything I tell you, I tell you in one take. So let's see how much I can remember. And this story is called The Mermaid. And it starts with a fisherman. And he was quite an old fisherman. And he had very little in the world. Except for a wife and a horse and a dog. And the fisherman hadn't had much luck with fishing recently. And he and his wife and his dog were getting very thin and hungry. And this was the state he was in when he went down in his boat out to sea one day, hoping to catch at least one fish. But none came. And then a mermaid saw the fisherman and she swam up to him. Any luck with the fish today? she asked. I've caught none, said the fisherman. So it's another day of being hungry on me. Well, what if I could send the fish up to you? asked the mermaid. What would you give me in return? Well, I'm afraid I've got nothing to give you, said the fisherman. I've only a wife and a dog and a horse and my boat. Nothing of anything that's good to you. Would you give me your firstborn son when he reaches three years old? she asked. And the old fisherman laughed. Well, I've no children, and likely will never have any, considering the age I am, so I've none to give you. But if you did have children, would you give me your firstborn son when he reaches three years old? The old fisherman laughed. Well, gladly, he said, thinking that it was extremely unlikely he was ever going to have a son. We have a deal then, fisherman, said the mermaid, and she disappeared deep down below the surface. And soon the sea was boiling with fish, and he caught a few to bring home to his wife. And the last fish he pulled out of the sea was the biggest he had ever seen in his life. And it turned round and it spoke to him in the net. Please let me go. You've caught enough fish today. The fisherman agreed and put it back. And then he sailed home with the rest of his fish. And he and his wife ate so well for the first time in days. So well that there was no fish for the next day because they'd eaten them all. And then he went back to the sea. And the same thing happened. He caught some fish and then he caught one of the biggest fish he had ever seen in his life. The same fish that had spoken to him the day before. Will you put me back, said the fish. You've caught enough fish for today. You don't need me. Very well, said the fisherman. And he put the fish back. And the next day the same thing happened. Except he didn't catch any other fish, except for that large fish. And so he went home hungry. And then the next day the same thing happened. He caught no fish except for that big fish. Please put me back, said the fish. Surely you don't need to eat me today. And the fisherman agreed. One more day, he thought, and he put it back into the water. And he went home. And his wife was raging angry. 
a silly fisherman, she said. Imagine catching a huge fish, not bringing it home to eat when we're hungry. So the next day when he went out to sea, he caught the same fish, this large fish. And the fish said again to him, Will you let me go today? No, said the fisherman, I can't. I have to take you home to my wife, as my wife, my dog and I have had nothing to eat for a few days. Very well, said the fish. If you must take me today, do as I ask. Let no one gut me except for you, and put my liver and my heart in the pot to boil. For yourself, your wife and your dog to eat, and then bury my bones in your garden. Now once I'm buried, your wife will have three sons, your mare, your horse will have three foals, and your dog will have three pups. And when all are born, dig up my bones and keep them. Three trees will sprout where my bones were buried, and they will be in leaf all year round, every single day, as long as your clan lives. And they will wither and die as your clan does. The fish spoke no more, and the fisherman went home and did what the fish had asked. And after three months, the fisherman's wife had three sons, and his horse had three foals, and his dog had three pups. And sure enough, three trees sprouted in the garden. And so he dug up the fish bones and he kept them. And then time went on, and the boys grew, and they were strong and healthy, and so much joy for the fisherman and his wife. And the fisherman always had plenty of fish for his family to eat. But wait, had he forgotten his promise to the mermaid? No, he had not. And when his oldest son turned three years old, and the fisherman went to sea to catch the fish, who should appear but the mermaid? Have you brought me your eldest son? she asked. No, I, I forgot him, he replied. The mermaid laughed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I will give you fourteen more years with your son, and then you must bring him to me, because I will wait no more. Agreed, said the fisherman, and the mermaid dived down, down to the depths of the sea, and the fisherman was delighted. Oh, I'm so old, I'll be dead in fourteen years, he thought, and my son will be safe so long as he stays away from the sea. Well, fourteen years came and went, and the fisherman was still alive, still strong, still healthy, and he still had to face the mermaid. Noticing that he was so worried, his eldest son asked him what was the matter, and so his father told him. Then I'll stay away from the sea, said his oldest son, and instead I will journey inland to make my fortune, and I will make sure that you are never again bothered by the mermaid. Very well, said the fisherman. But before you go, you're going to need a horse, a dog, and a weapon. Take this bridle with the rusty bit and go to the field. When you were born, my horse had three foals, and one of those foals should be your horse. To find out which one, you're going to go to the field and you're going to shake the bridle. 
And that's what he did. He went out into the field and he shook the bridle and a black horse came cantering over to him with hooves clashing and teeth gnashing. But as soon as the horse got close to the lad, he became very tame and he put his nose into the bridle. Next, you will find your dog, said the fisherman. Go to the woods and whistle. My dog had three pups the day you were born. And to find out which of the dogs is yours, once you whistle, the dog will follow you no matter where you go. So the lad went out to the wood and he whistled. And out from a tree sprang a snarling black dog. It was huge, the size of a wolf. And it was baring its teeth. And the lad whistled again and the dog became very, very tame and followed the lad home. Next, you will need a weapon, said the fisherman. And so they went to the smith, who made a sword with six stones weight of iron. And yet, in the lad's hand, it looked as if it weighed nothing more than a feather. This will do, said the lad. And then the fisherman went to the house and he brought back one of the fish's bones. He gave it to the lad and he held it in his hand. And in his hand, something miraculous happened. The fish bone became a glaive, a two-metre-long, sharp glaive, and it sparkled. Its blade was as sharp as the cat's claw. And then... With his horse, his dog, his glaive and his sword, the lad went out to seek his fortune, promising never to set foot on the shore because that's where the mermaid was waiting. Each road was windy but smooth and so they caught up with the swift march wind that then followed the lad but couldn't catch up with him. And through the woods they went until they came to a place with rolling green hills and fields. And a farmer was herding his cows, but they were going all over the place. He wasn't having much luck at all, and he was getting pretty tired. And the lad wrapped a grey cloak around himself and approached the farmer. Good evening, sir. I've journeyed long and I need food and shelter, and I'm happy to work for it if you've anything going. Do you have any work for a young lad like me? Aye, said the farmer. I'm in need of a cowherd, in fact, and if you're up to it, you can start right away and you can stay in the barn and I'm happy to give you the wee bit of food that I can spare. Great, said the lad. Right then, tie up your horse and your hound and get to work. And so the lad did, and he began to herd the cattle back into their barn. Tomorrow you'll take them out to graze, said the farmer, but do not let them into the meadow beyond the gate, for only death waits in there and I've lost many cow herds. The next morning the lad let the cows into the field but the grass was so poor the cows could scarcely find anything to eat. And the lad looked into the meadow beyond the gate and he saw that it was the richest pasture he'd ever seen. And so he opened the gate and he led the cows through and they began munching away happily. The second the last cow entered the meadow a seven-headed giant appeared. Who dares enter my meadow? Each of his heads bellowed. The lad began to round up the cows, but the giant picked him up 
Delicious little man, said the giant, with a nasty grin on each of his seven heads. The lad cut one of the giant's fingers off with his glaive, and the giant dropped him, roaring in pain. And then the battle began. He dodged the rocks that the giant threw at them, and they tumbled and they tussled, and the giant thumped, and they thumped the ground and swiped at the lad, who did his best to dodge all the giant's fists. But at last, the lad grew tired, and the giant had him cornered, and the lad didn't know what to do. So he thought of the wolf. Suddenly he was the wolf, huge and terrible, and he tore off one of the heads of the giant with his teeth. And then he thought of the hawk, and he was the hawk, and he tore another of the giant's heads off, clean off his body. And the giant made to turn and run, and the lad thought of the fox, and he was the fox. And he darted around the feet of the giant until he tripped up, and the lad leapt onto the giant's chest and held both his glaive and sword at the giant's heart. Spare my life, the giant said, and I'll give you treasures beyond your ken, and I'll be your friend for life. But the lad thought of all the bones of the cowherds that had come before him. What have you, giant, that I would want? A copper castle and a whistle and treasures of bronze, said the giant. These are mine already, said the lad. What else? A silver castle full of weapons and jewels. These are mine already, said the lad. What else? A golden castle filled with treasures and a suit of armour that is impenetrable by any blade. These are mine already, said the lad, and so is your death. And with that, the lad plunged the glaive and sword into the giant's heart, killing him instantly. And that evening, as the lad brought the cows in from the meadow, looking well-fed and happy, the farmer watched, surprised. Did you come to any harm in the meadow? he asked. None at all, said the lad, and grinned. That night, he went to find the giant's castles, the one of copper, the one of silver, and the one of gold. And he found them all full of treasures and beautiful cloth and clothes and silk dresses and the finest woven kilts and shirts. And then he returned to the barn to sleep. The next morning, the farmer woke him up. Come, lad, there's all kinds of happenings in town today because today is the day the dragon comes back from the sea. What dragon? asked the lad. Every year a three-headed dragon comes from the sea, and every year a hero is chosen to fight that dragon, and every year that hero is eaten alive. And today is the day the dragon comes. You're not going to want to miss this battle. And so, the cows, still full from yesterday, were happy to be left in their normal field. An offering of milk was left to the Glashthig in the hope that she might keep an eye on them as everyone ran down to the shore and watched the dragon come out of the sea. And along the shoreline there were many warriors gathered, not just one, as he had expected. And all these warriors were competing for the honour of trying to defeat the dragon. And hopefully not be eaten alive this year. And then the sea began to bubble and boil and froth. And the dragon rose from the sea, spitting fire and steam from each of its three heads. And some of the warriors fled, 
seven remained, and they fought the dragon as best they could, until six had been eaten alive, leaving only one warrior remaining. A young woman rushed down to the shore, screaming and wielding a sword. The fisherman's lad noted how beautiful she was and brave as she started fighting the dragon with much skill. And it was clear that she was trying to defend the warrior, who was now locked in the jaws of one of the dragon's terrible heads. But she was losing this battle, despite her valiant fighting. And the lad drew his sword and his glaive, and he rushed down to the shore. And he thought of the wolf, and he was the wolf. And he leapt into the air, and he bit one of the dragon's heads clean off at the neck, freeing the trapped warrior. And then he thought of the hawk, and he was the hawk. And he tore off the dragon's second head with his claws. And then the third dragon's head bellowed with pure anger. And it was spewing fire. And it turned to burn the lad to ash. And the lad thought of the fox. And he was the fox. And he darted underneath the dragon just as it sprayed a huge belch of fire at its own body. Setting the whole dragon alight. And the lad plunged his sword into the dragon's heart and leapt away. The dragon, dead at last, slumped onto the sand in a burning heap, sizzling as the waves pushed against it. Safe to say, the crowd went wild, cheering and rejoicing. And the warrior, now free from the dragon's jaws, thanked the lad, and the young woman embraced him. You saved my brother's life, she said. Thank you. Well, as things sometimes happen, this young lady and the fisherman's lad got to like each other rather a lot, and it wasn't very long until they had fallen in love and they were due to be married. And it was then that the lad told her of all his castles. She was delighted, of course. On the eve of their wedding, she asked if she could go down to the shore and collect dulce for their wedding feast, seaweed. And of course the lad agreed. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wasn't the lad to stay away from the shore because of the mermaid? And you'd be right. And I think the only reason that the mermaid hadn't appeared earlier was because of the dragon. However, she appeared now as the happy couple gathered the dose from the shore. I hope you've had a good 17 years, boy, she said. For now, you're all mine. And with that, she swallowed him whole. And the young lady screamed and she ran to the village. And there she went to see the wise woman and told her exactly what had happened. Now the wise woman said, listen, mermaids are extremely greedy creatures and they're very fond of silver, shiny objects, but they like music most of all. So the young woman was to go down to the lad's silver castle and gather up as many treasures and dresses as she could carry to the shore. And then she was to lay them all out on the rocks and play the mermaid music on her clarsach, her harp. And all of this the young woman did. And sure enough, the sound of the harp lured the mermaid up onto the shore to listen. What beautiful music you play, she said. I'd play more if you'd return my lad to me, said the young woman. The mermaid opened up her large, toothy mouth and showed the young woman the lad was still alive. She could see his head. Play on, said the mermaid, closing her mouth back up again. 
And so the young women did. And then the mermaid noticed all the shining silver things on the shore. Oh, these are pretty treasures, she said. I give you them all if you just give me back my lad, she said, the young woman. The mermaid opened her mouth again, wider this time, much, much wider. So wide, in fact, that the lad was able to step out and he ran up to the young woman. The mermaid came out from the water a little more to gather some of the treasures. The lad ran back with his sword and held it at her throat. If you take these, will you trouble me no more? he asked. Aye, said the mermaid, who merely pushed his sword away with her steely tongue. And then she continued to gather all the treasures. And once she had all she wanted, she returned to the sea. Peace be on you, she shouted. But once in a while, return to play me a song, young woman. And then she was gone. And so the couple were married, the fisher lad, brought his family to the giant's castles. They lived very happily, and no more were they all troubled by the mermaid. Though that young lass played a song for her every now and then. And for all I know, she plays for her still. Now maybe you're thinking, oh wait a minute Eileen, didn't the fisherman have three lads? And you're right, he did. But I've only got time to tell you this one lad's story. And the other two have adventures all of their own. But those stories will have to wait for another time. I want to share with you now one of the shortened versions of that story. Some of the little fragments that you might hear. Because there were so many different stories in there. A dragon, a mermaid, a giant... And sometimes these stories are condensed down into very, very short stories. And so here is a very, very shortened version of what was originally this massive epic tale. And I hope you enjoy it. Every year a great three-headed dragon came from the sea. And every year a hero was chosen to slay the dragon, and every year that hero was eaten alive. On this year a cowherd, a boy, was chosen to fight the dragon, and as he made his way down to the shore he met a wolf, a fox, and an eagle with a sheep carcass. Divide this carcass for us into three, and we will help you when you think of us, said the wolf. So the boy did so, he cut the sheep into three, and then he continued down to the shore, where the dragon was rising from the waves, spitting fire and clouds of steam. The first of the dragon's head ate the boy's sword, and he didn't know what to do, so he thought of the wolf. And as he thought of the wolf, he was the wolf, and he tore one of the dragon's heads off with his teeth. And then he thought of the eagle, and he was the eagle, and he tore the second of the dragon's heads off with his claws. And as the third dragon's head spat fire and flame at him, the boy thought of the fox, and he was the fox. And he darted underneath the dragon, who shot all his boiling steam and flame at the boy. And the boy leapt as a fox out of the way, and the dragon roasted itself with his own flame and the dragon was vanquished at last.
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Scottish Folk Podcast. And if you did, please share it, leave a review, tell your friends. Come and find me on Instagram. I am at Eileen Budd. If you would like to support the work that I'm doing either on the podcast or on Instagram or with the Travelling Folk Museum, you can buy me a coffee. The link to that is in my Instagram profile. Special thanks this week goes to Carrie, Kelly, Marianne, Michelle and Heather. Thank you so much for all your support. It really means the world and it keeps me telling these stories and sharing this with you. So thank you so much. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and sharing and supporting my work. It's, it means the world. It really, really does. Until next time, Herr Brian. <laughs>